my god. Oh my god. It, it, you know, it's getting really hot in here. It, who turned on the stove? Who turned on the stove? What? Why is the stove on? What? Why is that? Be Beast, why did you leave the stove on? Oh, because we have some delicious festivities coming out called trades and signings. And uh, oh, I guess I left them in the oven a little bit too long. I guess they're starting to get a little crispy and uh, mm. steaming hot now. Really? I mean, I, look, look, one of them is on fire right there. Um, I, I think, uh, oh God. Oh, that's gotta be my Patriot cake. That's gotta be my Patriot's cake. Your Patriot's cake? Yeah. Wait, so by, by the way, this is Downtown Sports. I'm the Mouth of the South, uh, John Chavoni. That's the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente. A Patriot's cake. Yeah, Patriot's cake. And I don't mean, uh, I'm not talking about the American Patriots. Like our president wants us to be. No, no. Talking about the New England Patriots. They're, uh, they've been on a very hot spending spree for the last two days. So for two days, the Patriots have went out and spent money. You know, when was, uh, when was Bill Belichick a guy that ever, uh, went out and decided I'm going to, I'm going to spend some money here. I'm going to get some big name free agents and, uh, rebuild my football team. Obviously he came off a terrible season where he did not make the playoffs for the first time in how many years. Well, the last time we saw him do this much with free agents, well, I don't even think it was him that was making those decisions. It was when Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback and he first just took over as coach. The other time we saw them spend a lot of money on free agents like that is when they brought Randy Moss to the team, the quote unquote undefeated year. You know, that never was. So nope. that 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 was when, too, I don't think we've ever seen Bill Belichick in trouble before. As a coach. Back was against the wall. His back was against the wall this year because he saw Tom Brady win the Super Bowl. He was not there. And that had to eat at him throughout the entire playoff that Tom Brady went on to win the ring. Bill Belichick's not there to coach into that ring. Yeah, because you know why it ate him? Because his entire legacy just went plummeting down. I once said this to a, to a fellow guy on uh, via Facebook. I, I got into a little uh, back and forth with him. Okay. I said how Brady is Michael Jordan, Bill Belichick is Scottie Pippen. You would, that, that's giving Belichick too much credit. No, I'm saying. You see, Belichick is always the number two. He was never the number one because Brady was the guy that went out there and actually won, you know, executed the game plan. That that makes the head coach look good. Without your quarterback, then you see what the coach truly has and how he really is when his best player that led him to those rings is not there anymore. You know, I, I, get, different. The, I get the comparison that you made, but here's the thing. You're giving Belichick too much credit by calling him Pippin. Pippin actually did things to help yeah, Michael. And Michael Jordan was there. Yes. What, what this Michael proved, Jordan? what this proved, what this proved was that Bill Belichick didn't know a damn thing about offensive football. Not one bit. He was always a defensive guy. Remember the Giants? Oh, no, but everybody career. thought he was so great. He had prolific offense with Belichick and Brady. Up oh, that offense, Belichick and Brady, Belichick and Brady. Look at that offense, Belichick and Brady. Well, well, no, one of those B's didn't work in that in that uh, little thing. So what is Belichick now trying to do to fix his team? Because I heard the first thing he did was re-sign Cam Newton for a year. One year, yes. And then from there, I'm, 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 I got the free agent tracker right in front of me. New England has made 13 additions to their team already via free agency. 13! Uh, that's going to be a crappy cake. I mean, I've never seen a cake with so many ingredients. Yeah, 13. So so yes. you literally took – so basically it's like Bill Belichick took a box of cake mix, said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have chocolate, vanilla, plus frosting and sprinkles and icing and this and that. Oh, yeah, and the, there's also going to be red velvet cake involved in there too. You know what? We're going to take some chocolate sprinkles, throw that on, and how about a cherry? And you know what? We're going to top it off with a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yep. <laughs> so here's who we got. 
Uh, it's a very good combination, a mix of offense and defense. So, yes, okay. Cam Newton, one year. Nelson Aguilar, two-year contract, $26 million. Kendrick okay. Bourne, three-year deal, $22.5 million. Hunter Henry, three-year deal, $37.5 million. Jonu Smith, another tight end, four years, $50 million. Trent Brown just became a Patriot. Ted Karras, one year, $4 million to be their new center because they got rid of Thune. Dietrich Wise Jr., four-year deal, $30 million, $10 million guaranteed. Devon Goodshow, two-year deal, $16 million, another defensive tackle. They just took the ex-Jet, Henry Anderson, two-year deal, $7 million. Matthew Judon, four years, $56 million. The ex-Raven, Justin Bethel, three years, $6 million. The former, the longtime cornerback, Jalen Mills, four years, $24 million safety. Look at all that in just a span of two days. Look at all wow. these additions New England just made. And to think, you know, Belichick could have did that while he had Brady as a quarterback and maybe would have won more championships. But no, no, just blame Brady. It was all Brady's fault they weren't winning anymore. Yeah. I mean, considered to what the rest of the AFC East has made as far as additions, it's, uh, it's kind of incredible. It makes them look so small. Buffalo made a few additions. Uh, they did get another wide receiver. They signed Emmanuel Sanders one year, which is, I think, that, decent. That, although – Low-key, that's the biggest move in the AFC East. Well, Miami also got themselves their new backup quarterback to replace Fitzpatrick. I didn't even realize they even got another quarter. They got Jacoby Brissett, one year, $5 million. That's not a bad backup. Trying to be the backup to Tua, so right now this is going to be Tua's job to lose. The Jeez. Jets, of course, made a few small – the Jets made some additions of their own, and rightfully so. They needed to make some moves because everybody was killing Joe Douglas. Why is he taking so long? Why isn't he making a move? He so builds through the draft that he doesn't do free agency. Unfortunately, waiting six years for your team to be good doesn't work in the New York market. Well, we New York fans, John, as you know, are very impatient. We want to see a winning product right away. Anything short of a winning product, anything short of not making the playoffs is an embarrassment. You know what? Jets fans and Knicks fans are actually the personification of patience you see this is why i'm not a jet fan i couldn't be patient with all of this crap so what did the jets do okay well the jets got some help at wide receiver they signed Corey davis three-year deal 37 and a half million a very good receiver because we needed one and this is a guy from the titans that maybe was not being utilized to the full extent that he could be so we still haven't replaced robbie anderson yet no okay we signed carl lawson three-year deal 45 million including 30 million guaranteed from the Bengals. Mm. 26 years old. This is a young, these two players already, Davis Lawson, 26 years old. These are young guys. Good. good. Lawson has Lawson had, had showed potential that he could be as a defensive end. And more importantly, mm -hmm. this is an edge rusher that the jets needed to have. We didn't have an edge rusher. Okay. Lawson was going to be that. All right. Well. Davis, we signed to a one-year deal, 7 million. Okay, mm. fine. We needed some help at the linebacking position. The jets did not have a good pass rush. Davis, I hope, will be that piece. Marcus May, we keep him. He receives the franchise tag. So another piece of a secondary. Jets needed help ensuring that secondary stays intact. Marcus May is going to be a big piece of that. Fine. The Jets also today signed Justin Hardy to be uh, kind of that presence on special teams. Jets special teams ranked 29th in the league last year. Mm. Justin Hardy was a former Saint. Very well talked about being one of the best special team guys on the game. So, maybe the Jets, so the Jets made some moves. You acted like um, the Jets did nothing. I'm happy they made some moves. Obviously, people are but people are going to go like, well, Jets made like, what, five or six moves? New England made 13. New England didn't waste any time. They went out there and spent money because they're not afraid to. When they see a problem, they're going to go out and address it right away. No, That's they've never done that. That's uh, never been the way New England does anything, in fact. I mean, Brady went into years with like patchwork O-lines and receiving cores and was Brady told to was go win. To take pay cuts. Brady didn't care how much he was getting paid. And they still didn't get the people around him that he needed. Ain't that messed up. And oh yeah, he took a pay cut to be on the Bucks so they bus could get more people. Remember yeah. how he said no, he wanted to actually take the money this time around and really play for what he was worth? That lasted for about one season. Until he decided, you know what? I want to win more Super Bowls. <laughs> so Brady's going to stay four more years. Rob Gronkowski agrees to a one-year deal, $8 million to play one more year. Shaq Barrett agrees to a four-year deal, $68 million, $36 million of that is guaranteed. Levante David resigns two years, $25 million. Kevin Minter resigns on a one-year deal. Godwin gets the franchise tag. 
pretty incredible. That Tampa team is set up to win for years and years, and now they really have nobody to challenge them in their division. I mean, particularly now, no the Saints are going to be a lot weaker. They uh, they did resign Jameis Winston to one to a one year deal, along yeah. with a four year deal, one hundred forty for Taysom Hill. Yeah, so that you see that. Why did Taysom Hill get four years, one hundred forty million, when he, for the most part, until those couple of games of quarterback, what was he doing? Uh, tight end, offensive option, read option person. They're signing Taysom Hill because they know whether or not he's their quarterback or not. He's a part of their long term plan. Thirty years old. He's not in his twenties no more. He's in his thirties. I don't. He's already know. in the prime of his career. Don't ask me why the Saints do things like sign people like Jameis Winston to be their solution at quarterback. First off, that's shocking to me. That Jameis, that the Saints haven't done anything better than Jameis Winston. That's first. Um, second off, the Taysom Hill contract is not so shocking. Look at what he did last year. He earned the money. Will he be around for that entire term of that contract? Remember, this is not guaranteed money. Taysom Hill could go out next year, have a crappy season, get cut, and then all that money is gone. So the Giants also have been very uh, relatively quiet in the free agency market. They've only made three moves so far. Well, one of them we had to. Well, one Devontae of them was Booker one we had to. reached a two-year deal, $6 million. All right, so the Giants will have at least uh, another option at the running back position. I think Devontae Booker was a decent signing. Uh, I'm much happier about Leonard Williams being a Giant still. Three years, $63 million. He will receive $45 million guaranteed, and he'll receive a signing bonus of $22.5 million. Talk about a big paycheck he's getting. Well, he earned it. He was the one thing on that. He was the anchor in that D-line, made everything go. The Giants also agreed to a one-year deal with former Bengal John Ross, so they'll have another wide receiver of $2.5 million. It's nothing really crazy. But another wide receiver. Will it be somebody Daniel Jones can get the football to? That remains to be seen. Well, it all depends. Can Daniel Jones stay on his feet? Can Daniel Jones not be hurt? Can the O-line block for him? You know, plenty of things that we could ask about Daniel Jones and the Giants. And, well, why aren't the Giants getting wide receivers? You know, it's the first thing. We're losing wide receivers, not gaining them. That's the problem with the Giants. Tate is out there somewhere um, not being re-signed. Giants let him go. So this allows – this makes me think that the Giants are really looking at that draft and they're looking to pick some wide receiver talent. Yeah. That, that, that's, what the, that's what Gettleman at least reads like to me. In addition to that, I actually completely forgot this other team that made some moves, uh, kind of made about as many moves as New England did. The Jaguars Ooh. have been busy at the market as well. Oh, they're getting ready for uh, Trevor Lawrence. For sure. And they did surround him with a good solid mix of new offensive weapons, a little bit of defensive help, a little O-line protection. So you got to credit the spending here for, uh, for Shad Khan and the entire organization of the Jaguars. First, Carlos Hyde, a two-year deal, $6 million. So a good new addition to the running back position. A three-year deal, $21 million with Jamal Agnew. A signing with, for Philip Dorsett, another former Colt. Marvin Jones, $7 million deal for one year. Another good wide receiver that was a good threat for the Lions. Cam Robinson for the O-line. Tyler Shatley, an offensive guard. Dwayne Smoot on defense. Resigned him. Tyson Alualu, Jihad Ward, Malcolm Brown, Roy Robertson-Harris, Sidney Jones. They just signed also Shaquille Griffin to a three-year deal, $44.5 million to be that other piece on their corner position. Rudy Ford, two-year deal, $4.2, their new safety. And then Rayshon Jenkins, four years, $35 million. So they pumped up their cornerback and safety positions. They pumped up their defensive line. They added some pieces to the O-line. More importantly, added some playmakers for Trevor Lawrence. Or Justin Fields or, Fields. or Zach they Wilson. Whoever I they happen them, to I see. see them getting, I see them getting Lawrence, though. If, if they get Justin Fields, I'll be shocked. You see, now, now, now you, you mentioned this the other day. Where has Justin Fields gone on the draft boards? Because now everybody's talking about Zach Wilson going to the Jets. Yeah. Like it's a foregone conclusion that the BYU quarterback is now being taken second. And somehow Justin Fields is not worth the the time at the second pick. Well, there are people that still believe Justin Fields will have a solid career. And again, we're yet to see that. But, you know, it's crazy how at one point Fields was going to be the number two back. Now all of a sudden Fields has to go up against people like Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, 
Mac Jones. All of a sudden now these guys have kind of thrown their hat into the ring here with, with Mr. Fields. And it's going to be very interesting to see what will happen. I, I don't see Fields going number going high in this draft now. I think slowly Mac Jones, Trey Lance have kind of thrown themselves into the mix here that maybe they could be a, a steal pick for somebody. Yeah. Well, um, and to let's end this uh, NFL free agency extravaganza bonanza, this uh, hot stove that just burnt out on fire. Let's end it with this. So I'm reading this morning. I'm taking a look at a couple of things and uh, something comes across my newsfeed. Want to know what it is? Really? What do we got? A professional NFL coach was quoted as saying, in reference to New York Jets starting quarterback Sam Darnold. He stinks. He stinks, bro, was actually the quote. And you wonder, and you wonder, even though there's been some teams throwing their name out there for Sam, why is no team taking a chance on Sam? Well, Adam Gaze has ruined the careers of Sam Darnold, uh, Ruben, Rob, Ruben Robbie Anderson's jet career completely finished off whatever career Le'Veon Bell had left. Let's see. Who, who else's career did Gaze destroy? Oh, my goodness. Let me see if I can throw up some names here. Well, uh, how about every uh, quarterback that had a start behind Sam Darnold when he was injured? Mm, look, at, uh, look at Frank Gore. Look at Frank Gore. Oh, Frank yeah, Gore. Frank Gore. Oh. He'll be yeah, all right. Yeah, but he, he he's retired now. But, like, Adam Gase ran Frank Gore literally into the ground because – Also, Joe know. Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco, yeah. The end yeah. of Joe Flacco. And then let's not forget Miami, how he almost ruined Tannehill's career permanently, mm-hmm. got him kicked out of there. Uh, who's the running back that ran, that couldn't run away from Gase fast enough? Drake was his name? Kenyon Drake. Uh, he couldn't get away from Adam Gaze fast enough. And what's he been doing in the NFL since? Have you heard of him? He's been, he's been having a very, he's been having a very solid career. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Kenyon Drake was drafted in 2016 by the Dolphins. And yeah, he spent about, about two, three years, 2018 until 2018, middle of 2019, he got traded. He was dealt to Arizona. So, he's actually had a good career with Arizona. He's doing he's well there, with Kyler know. Murray, and thank God. But uh, before Kyler Murray showed up, what was he doing? Yeah, he was. Uh, that he was, was David Johnson's team. Days. That was David Johnson's team before Kenyon Drake arrived. That was that was David Johnson's game. That was his team. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. Adam Gaze has ruined so many players, it's unreal. And now to hear this about Sam Darnold, he's trash, bro. That makes every – well, first off, that should make every Giant fan, like, breathe a sigh of relief because the biggest thing, if you're a Giants fan, was – and this is all that anybody ever talks about, was how they should have drafted Sam over Saquon. Um, I think this shows you that uh, both players were the wrong choice there. You should have just picked Josh Allen. That was the one player everybody should have picked was Josh Allen. The Browns should have picked Josh Allen. The Giants should have picked Josh Allen. The Jets should have picked them. How many teams picked before Buffalo? All of those teams should have picked Josh Allen. But, you know, just just saying. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm reading the the tweet right here. from. They didn't name the coach by name, but it was an offensive coach that said, he stinks, bro, and Sam Darnold. I wonder, uh, again, very curious what's going to happen here because the market is shrinking for Darnold right now. It's incredible how Andy Dalton has got a new team before Sam Darnold was found one. Isn't that you incredible? Know, so you're taking Andy incredible. Dalton more inconsistent. He was here's even more inconsistent. Here's what's incredible, John. Please. How, how anybody even thinks that the Jets are not going to have Sam as their starting quarterback next year? <clears throat> Well, I'm telling you this, Joe Douglas is going to have the biggest decision to make of his entire career come the NFL draft. If I'm Joe. You're getting a new quarterback. If I'm Joe Douglas, no. No, no, no. Actually, I'd be keeping Sam Darnold because whatever team ends up with him is ending up with a star. But um, 
I keep Sam. I build around him. I finally get him weapons that work. I finally get him a running back that isn't hurt. I finally get him wideouts that can catch the football. I finally get him linemen that could block. You know, I'm so sick of the New York Jets, and this is a problem that I've had with them since way back in the day. Back from the Rex Ryan days, they don't know how to handle a quarterback. They don't know how to put weapons around a quarterback. They don't know how to put a quarterback into the best position for success. Quarterbacks like Boomer Esiason and Brett Favre have walked through this organization. Both have failed. The, the only successful quarterback the Jets have ever had in reality was Joe Namath. Richard, the great Richard Todd wasn't even that, didn't even, even do Vinny anything. Testaverde. Not even Vinny Testaverde was good. You're right. Not that he wasn't good. They, what, what did they put around these people? Oh, no, no talent at all. Nothing. And, you know, only one team at the current moment, at least going back to yesterday, the Seattle Seahawks are the only other team that has an eye on Sam right now. So Pete Carroll sees something in Sam. Maybe other people don't. I hope Pete Carroll sees enough in Sam that I get Russell Wilson out of it. That'd be nice. But then you're going to have, and, and right now, the idea of Russell. I'll give you the second. I'll give you Sam the second pick and my next two first round draft picks. I want to pull up a very interesting uh, kind of trade idea that was uh, that was brought up by Dan Orlovsky. Okay. So, okay, and here it is. He proposed, and it was about a couple of days ago, a blockbuster three team trade involving Russell Wilson. Now, let me. It would allow the Jets. To not only keep their number two pick, it would let them keep their two pick. The Jets would get Khalil Mack with their choice of either Will Fuller, the cornerback, or wide receiver Allen Robinson. The Jets would get an extra second round pick. The Bears, this is this is if the Bears got Russell Wilson. Obviously, now Russell Wilson's not going to the Bears. But like the Bears would have gotten Wilson, the Seahawks would have gotten three first round picks and Sam Darnold. If you had if, if this would this have made sense to you? So a, a kind of a trade like this. So the deal. Bears get Wilson, the Seahawks get Darnold, and a couple and the of Jets, and the the Jets, Jets would get, what? The Jets would get Khalil Mack and okay. their choice of either Will Fuller, the cornerback, or Allen Robinson, the wide receiver. Remember, Allen Robinson's on a franchise tag. No, I'd be definitely be. Uh, oh God! No, no, no! Again. This deal did not happen, though. This deal did not happen. I, I know. I'm just rubbing my temple going, thank God, because the Jets would have pulled this off. They would have done it. I swear to God they would have done it. The Johnsons would have stepped in and been like, take this deal. Yeah, because uh, what do the Johnsons exactly know about uh, about, <clears throat> about winning football? <clears throat> just stick to vaccines, guys. Just yeah, stick, stick to, to vaccines. Your, stick to your one-shot vaccine that's uh, – well, it's got the lowest effectiveness. Well, look, look, you know what, though? If the Johnsons had to fail at football ownership in order to help save the planet from coronavirus, I'm cool with that. But hopefully, hopefully what will happen is that the Johnsons won't just mortgage this team's future or force Joe Douglas to make a move that he shouldn't. I hope the Johnsons don't try to pull a Dolan here and figure out some quote-unquote blockbuster trade for the second pick. Whether it's Wilson, whether it's Sewell, whether it's any of these guys, take the player that's best available on the board at that time. And let's just go with it. This Jet team has so many holes to fill that a new quarterback isn't going to fix it. An old lineman ain't going to fix it. A wideout ain't going to fix it. Do you know what's going to fix it? 14 players like Belichick signed, except no other GM in football is going to do that. Well, we're going to see. We're only just at the beginning of free agency in the hot stove around the NFL. By the way, in just a matter of fact, we're just about to hit that four o'clock mark where teams have to be under the salary cap at four o'clock in the afternoon. And we're closing in on that time as we speak. I'll be very curious to see what other moves, what other surprises are going to be made here. We, have, we still have wide receivers on the board. 
that have not been moved yet, which is a little shocking. Kenny Galladay is still out there for somebody. Juju Smith-Schuster, still out there for somebody. That might be a Gettleman target. We'll see. Right now, let's take a little break. When we come back, our NBA top 10. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I'm the beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente, along with my co-host, the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. The top 10. We talked for the college basketball on our digital market battle special. Now it's time we give the NBA a little proper love. But before we dive into our top 10, mouth, where can our listeners hear us? You hear us on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Podbay, Listen Notes. 12 different platforms every single week. Interviews, full episodes, digital market battles, ad-free specials, rants. We're downtown sports. We are where sports come home. And we got to get into this NBA Top 10, the first of the second half of the year by the way if you guys were listening we're waiting for those report cards that we promised you we have them up Mm -hmm. go listen to them the knicks are back again and uh you know well we're going to talk about the knicks momentarily uh are we two very uh two very heartbreaking losses if you're a knicks fan believe me i i watched last night's game with the sixers and i uh, i was uh how do we blow the lead in the final quarter? That's what upset me. We're in control of that game. But let's we'll get to the next in a minute. Let's dive into our top 10. Thanks to Crystal Large, by the way, for this top 10. Thank Tony Mainville for his college top 10. And this is an interesting one. This is definitely a little different now from what we had last week. Our number 10 team, the Charlotte Hornets, are number 10 on the top 10. They quietly are now 20 and 18 on the year. LaMelo Ball. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no other way to say it for that team. LaMelo Ball. He's come out of nowhere. It took him a little while. We knew how good he was, but we were waiting when he was finally going to take command and and the Hornets were going to be recognized for their talent. And now you see LaMelo Ball. You have Gordon Haywood. Gordon Hayward, excuse me. You have Malik Monk and P.J. Washington. Malik Monk and Hello, ball. That is nasty on its own. Without the other, without Hayward, they've got a big three in Charlotte and nobody really realizes it. Malik Monk, the kid that got drafted ahead of LaMelo's brother, Lonzo. Let's not forget about that. The thing about the this Hornet team and the thing about LaMelo specifically is he is an unselfish player. LaMelo's job is to go on the court and make everybody around him better. The only cris- criticism I have of uh, the Hornets at this very moment is this. Mm-hmm. Why have I still not seen the pay-per-view special LeVar versus Michael one-on-one where is it maybe, maybe LeVar Ball has finally just decided to own up that I was wrong with what I said no or he's just one he's never gonna do that well then why the Ball I- family is not going away ladies and gentlemen you might not hear a uh, very much about um daddy ball on espn anymore but if you want to know what these crazy people are doing you can still watch their reality show on facebook well, quietly now. Fallen in the family, I think it's called, right? Well, love him or hate him, two of his kids have made it to the NBA. The third oh, one's on his way. That's LiAngelo Ball. Will he be as good as LaMelo? Will he be somewhat well, as good Isn't he in LaMelo? the European leagues right now playing professionally? Let's take a look. I would believe he should be. Now, remember, the, the Ball brothers, they played in, they played in some of the uh, – some of the more tougher grow up men type of leagues in Lithuania. You know, mm-hmm. hard, you know how, how strict it is to play basketball in Lithuania. You have to be a physical specimen. You have to be willing to take some hard hits. That's the old school way of playing basketball. 
you come from like, when you play in Lithuania. Yeah, when you come and you play, play over other, there. and you play in these other countries, you go to China, you play ball. You go to Lithuania, you play ball. You go to Spain, you play ball. You go to Israel, you play ball. I mean, all these people that you all see get drafted off of international teams. Dirk Nowitzki, Kristaps uh, Porzingis are just two examples of players that have come from foreign countries. Tony Parker. Well, other example. So far, Leangelo Ball is kind of still waiting for some team to take a chance on him. He he did uh he did sign a training camp contract with the Pistons in late December of 2020. But he's been kind. But then he was saved <laughs> literally about 11 days later. So far, he's a free agent at the moment. Well, I mean. All three of his sons have played professionally in some level. Yes. And that deserves some respect. Love it and Kavar, that actually deserves respect. It does. I mean, he might be a womanizer. He might be a bit sexist, talk very horrible things about women, say his sons will never meet a woman on during their NBA careers, all of that. Yeah, but look, his kids are not going away. They are some of the best point guards in the NBA today. And – Lonzo is actually having to play catch up to his little brother. Yeah, tells you a lot. Let's move to number nine on our top 10. The Denver Nuggets, number five in the West now, 23 and 16. And the Nuggets have been playing a little better to start the second half of the year. But they went down on our list. But yeah, you're still kind of, you're still waiting for this Nuggets team to kind of get going here. You see, the thing is, I think this year, the more we're still waiting, the more I'm going to stop waiting for them to show up. I mean, I think Denver has a chance to make a run, but that's only going to happen if their defense kicks up and if they keep draining shots. Like, the problem is, if Denver doesn't drain the three ball, they're done. They have no Jamal other Murray way to beat you. At all. And Jamal Murray can't be the one to do it all. No. So this will be interesting with Denver, but we'll definitely be paying attention. Number eight on our top ten, the Miami Heat. 21 and 18 they're fourth in the eastern conference and slowly we're beginning to see the heat go back to the team they were a year ago and why this team got as far as they did and all the way to the nba finals i mean the heat this team specifically first off like keith said they were very very well suited for that bubble scenario i think that bubble scenario gave this current iteration of the Miami Heat about two years worth of development all done in a short little bubble period, right? So guys like Hero, who maybe wouldn't have gotten as much playoff experience last year if it were a normal situation, goes to an NBA Finals and almost, and, and you know, plays well enough to get them there in the first place. All those kids in Miami being led by Butler, being led by Spolster, the head coach. I mean, that... That's a team to watch out for. It almost doesn't matter where Miami finishes in terms of the regular year and what seeding they get, as long as they're above six. But if, if that happens, it almost doesn't matter because there's your favorite to go back to the finals, quote unquote. Miami has won 10 of its last 11 games. That should tell you something right there about how far this Heat team has come. And when you let Butler, when you let Bam out of bio, you let Tyler Hero get going. This Miami Heat team, and we've seen it last year, this team can be deadly. And I don't think they're good enough to beat the Nets. I think that I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that the Nets make the finals out of the East. But if there's a team to challenge them, it's definitely either Philadelphia or Miami. Those are the two. Let's go to number seven on our top ten. The Milwaukee Bucks, number seven, third in the East. They have won four games in a row. They're starting to figure it out. Well, I know they beat the Knicks. That was the first game post-All-Star break. They murdered the Knicks pretty handedly. Fine. They did beat the Grizzlies. Okay, fine. But then your other two wins were against the uh, the Garbage Wizards. Mm-hmm. So they didn't beat really strong teams. They beat a couple of like middle-of-the-road kind of eh, teams. But those are the teams that the Bucks generally lose to. And they, they barely, show up in big and games. they barely beat the Wizards. And that was without Bradley Beal. They barely beat the Wizards when they didn't have Bradley Beal. I should tell you something there, too. That it was the first win of the year, by the way, when they were down by double digits this year. Well, here's the thing with the Bucks. The Bucks, to me, are like the Denver of the Eastern Conference. At this point, I need to see it in the postseason. At this point, I need to see them turn it around. 
I need to see Holiday specifically step up to be the second star next to Giannis. Otherwise, this roster needs to make some changes going forward after this season. Our number six team on our top ten, the Sixers. The injury to Joel Embiid is going to put them to the second position in the East, and then the Nets are never going to see are never going to look back from first once they get it. So they have four very tough games in a row. It's not just the bucks they have coming up. You got a West coast trip coming up after this one, golden state, the Lakers and the Clippers golden state. uh, Here's the thing. That team is not a team. I'm super concerned about until playoff time comes around, especially the warriors. Golden state. They're still a tough matchup. They are, but. Without Clay, uh, look, they're called the Splash Brothers, not the Splash. Uh, Steph Curry's not the Splash Brother. Well, you have He's Seth Curry. A Splash Steph. Brother. You have Seth Curry on the Sixers. You have Seth versus Steph. Hmm. It'll be a good battle of three point shooting extraordinaire. That would. It'll be fun to see. But uh, like I said, the Warriors are a team that I'm not worried about until Clay comes back. So that should be a win for the but Sixers. If they lose that the game, though. But when you have to play the Lakers and Clippers right after that. Yeah, uh, especially especially with the Lakers finally getting a little bit healthier. And, well, Kawhi is a monster. And nobody's talking about how good of a season Kawhi Leonard is having. Kawhi Leonard's a monster. Now let's go to number five on our top ten. We just brought up Kawhi Leonard. Number five are the Clippers, 26-15 and 15 on the year now. They're fourth in the Western Conference. What's going on with Paul George, though? <laughs> Well, I mean, still, Paul George is doing what he's doing at this point of the year, still playing pretty solid. But the Clippers have sort of fallen a little bit. Uh, the Clippers were a little higher than, than this at one point. They were number two to three. Now they're number five. Well, because – a little bit worried with the Clippers, just a smidge. Well, because look at the other teams around them. Can you say the Clippers are better than the Suns? Right now, you saw what the Suns did to the Lakers recently. You saw how Are they- the Clippers better than the Lakers? It's hard to say. Are the Clippers even close to the Jazz's league? Hmm. Right now, no. The Jazz are just a little – are just too strong. And, and just to give you an example, primetime game last night, the Jazz took it to the Boston Celtics. I'll tell you what I think of the Utah Jazz once we get to them on this list, but the Clippers just honestly, yeah, that is where they belong because they're not better than Phoenix, not better than the Lakers, they're not better than the Jazz. I'm not saying they're worse, but eh. But they're I'm not four, really. They've lost that. four of their last. They have lost four of their last seven games. Have the Clippers, and in a very competitive Western Conference like this, you can ill afford to go on a on a losing streak like this. You have to stay with that conference pretty much till the end of the year, because it's going to be a tight race for 10 teams that are going to make it into the NBA playoffs this year. And where you finish is going to be very, very key. Paul George needs to get his act together. That's just first and foremost, Paul George needs to get his act together. Next. Number four on our top 10. It's the other LA team, the Lakers 26 and 12. The Lakers have gone without Anthony Davis, 15 games now since Davis has been out. The Lakers are eight and seven. So they've barely played about 500 ball without Anthony Davis. They're the fact that they're not playing below 500 ball without Anthony Davis yeah. is pretty good though. Yeah. Since Davis got hurt though, they're four and six altogether. Now, Anthony Davis, some good news. He'll be back in about two weeks. Okay. Two weeks. You'll get Anthony Davis back. But I where will the Lakers be by then? Uh, still in the playoffs, still in the top six. So that's all that really matters to me. If I'm the Lakers, as long as I'm not a seventh or an eighth seed, I'm feeling all right. I'm just waiting for my roster to get healthy because it doesn't necessarily matter to LeBron James and Anthony Davis and that crew where they play. It just matters that they're in the dance. So we're getting close to the trade deadline as well. Could the Lakers go out and get Bradley Beal? That's another key ingredient I think the Lakers, I'm sure, have their eyes on. Uh, the Lakers, the Knicks, and a bunch of other teams, too. Um, so if the Lakers get Bradley Beal, that does push them to, I believe, uh, the title. And you get back Anthony Davis once you, if you get Beal. So this will be very curious where the Lakers will end up in a couple of weeks from now. 
Number three on our top 10, the Phoenix Suns, 25 and 12, second in the West. Chris Paul. We talked about this team. We have talked about the Suns for the last three weeks. Chris Paul, man. And, and it broke my heart when Keith said that, you know, nah, there's too many guys ahead of Chris Paul statistics wise for the MVP, but. My God, you can't argue with me that Chris Paul made the most impact on the Phoenix Suns out of any player in the NBA. Without Chris Paul, the Suns are at 8th to 10th seed. When did you see Devin Booker playing at the level he's playing? When Chris Before Paul Chris Paul got here. Before Chris Paul got here. When was Devin Booker playing the way he's playing now? Nah. We always thought it could be this way. When did DeAndre Ayton start playing? up to the level he was just a couple of years ago after being drafted. Once again, we thought he could be this way. Well, Chris Paul, it turned out now, was the ingredient, the straw that stirs the drink in the Valley of the Sun. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Chris Paul, the fact that he isn't being looked at as the number one guy in this team, to me, is laughable. Because I see the Sun. I mean, everybody sees it as Booker's team, and I get that, but... Chris Paul is the reason the Suns are where they are today. Now, the other reason the Suns are where they are today is because teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, and others are playing not to the level or the standard that you thought they would be. I mean, you look at the Lakers, you look at the Clippers, you look at the Nuggets. Those are three teams. Perfect examples of teams that have underachieved in the West this year so far. And if you look at the Suns and the Jazz, those are two teams that overachieved. Mm-hmm. However, they've actually just been taking care of business. And that's the other thing. Phoenix quietly has went out and built a resume. They've beaten the likes of the Lakers. They've beaten the Clippers. They've beaten the Jazz. They've, I believe they took it to the 76ers. I believe they've beaten the Brooklyn Nets. So the Suns are for real, ladies and gentlemen. This is a team that's going to be in conference finals talks. You're definitely going to see them play the Lakers. This is a dark team, maybe. And I'm just saying this is a jump. Could this be a possible candidate that maybe could go to the finals, perhaps? Yes. A little bit jumping ahead. But I think this team could get there if if any of the other couple teams ahead of them don't make it. Let's That's the on. one team, the, the, by the way, the Suns are the one team that I think could legitimately pick the Jazz off. And we'll, we'll see what happens. I think that will be a very, very, very fun matchup. I'd love to see that match. Sadly, I think we might end up seeing it maybe in the conference finals and maybe the semifinals, perhaps. I would love to have seen it if the NBA finals had just your own division against your own conference, West versus West, but it doesn't work that way. I let's, go, let's go to number two on the top 10, the Brooklyn Nets one of the hottest teams in the league. They have gone 12 and one since losing to the Pistons back on February 9th. I mean, there's that roster, that, that roster that I gave an A to, I gave an A to that roster, not the front office, by the way, but that roster that I gave an A to that coaching staff that I gave an A to, there's a reason. There's a reason for it because this big three has gelled faster than any other big three that we've seen in NBA history. They haven't even had Kevin Durant for the last little while because of a hamstring. It's been Harden and it's been Irving. And the rest. And those were the two you were afraid of seeing on the floor together. They're like, wait, Harden's ball dominant. Irving's ball dominant. How how are they going to share the basketball? That's never going to work. That's going to fall apart. And then look at what happened. It's falling apart. All right. For everyone else. (laughs) That's the problem. It's falling apart for the rest of the league, not for them. Well, the Nets definitely showed you a little uh, piece of what they're going to be, particularly two nights ago that, well, while many are going to call this, and I I think many are going to say that was the Battle of New York, them against the Knicks. People weren't sure what to say. We're the the only people that say that, Beast. Us from this city, we are the only people that say that. The rest of the country believe that New York is firmly in the hands of the Nets right now. Shows you how much they know. The younger generation are big net fans. The younger generation really sees it with Brooklyn. The younger generation really are just not. One thing I've noticed about the younger generation of NBA fans real quick before we get to the number one team. You notice how they really don't follow teams. They follow stars. Like I, I was just talking the other day to a younger NBA fan. 
just he got into into basketball around two th- around the year two thousand, right after the Jordan era was over. Okay. Told me, you know what? When he was a Miami Heat fan, loved the Miami Heat. Then when they did Dwayne Wade dirty, he became a LeBron James fan. Stuck with LeBron James wherever he went, okay. and is still a LeBron fan to this day. And he's trying to pick what player he's going to be a fan of after LeBron retires because he needs to have a new player to follow around and have a new rooting interest. You see, the young aren't super into, like, let's go Brooklyn Nets. They're into Harden, Irving, and Durant. So bandwagoners. I'm not even saying that they're bandwagoners. You you can't even call them that. This is like a new breed of fan where they're not associated with the team that's in their city. They associate themselves with a star or a particular player that they find entertaining. For example, I was just talking to somebody that that literally said, I don't care if the Nets win or lose. I just want to see Kyrie with the basketball. There are lots of fans that are like this. So it's not that, you know, the battle for the soul of New York. The soul of New York is always going to go with the New York Knicks. I mean, you can't just tell me that a team that you bring in around 2010 is going to take the hearts and minds of a city uh, away from a team that's been here since the 50s and 60s. Well, but the reason there is so much hype around this team is because of the stars. It's, Everybody wondered, like, oh, the homegrown talent. Oh, Nets fans are going to be so mad when all this homegrown talent goes away. Number one in our top ten, last but not least, the Utah Jazz, 28-10, and 10, number one in the West, best record in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell and Dwayne Wade. Let me just tell you something. If you look at Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. and look at Donovan Mitchell, you're seeing a 2.0. Similar how they play, similar to how they score. Mm-hmm. How they defend all of it. Okay. If I was looking at, Don- at Donovan Mitchell, I'm thinking about him like, who is this guy? Like, I've seen stars like him, but who- and then I thought about Dwayne Wade in the olden days of Miami, like going through all of those years where they were just good enough to make the postseason, but not really make too much noise and, I could just see Mitchell for those years where the Jazz would end up being like a fifth or sixth seed in the West. And they'd always put on a great first round series or they'd get past their first round series. They put on a great show in the second round, but always knocked out. I just, and then you look at Mitchell and just see how he looked in some of those games. Go and watch elimination games of the Jazz over the past few years. I want you to take a look at Mitchell's face. Well, look at his face and look at Wade's face when Wade got eliminated from the playoffs when his Miami teams were just not good enough no matter what he did. You see well, that same angry expression that just says, if I only had this much more talent around me. Yeah. Well, and now he's got it. Well, you should expect nothing less. Donovan Mitchell is another New York-born product from Elmsford, New York, Westchester County, by the way, did I ever mention that his uh, his dad served as a director of player relations for the New York Mets? If I hmm. ever told you that, would you have believed it? No. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, as a kid, spent his time around several major league baseball teams. He looked up to players like David Wright, players like Scott Casimir, just to name a couple. So he really Casimir, wow, that's a name I hadn't heard in forever. Yeah. Scott Casimir. Yeah, I mean, these are just a couple of names right here, but yeah. He was at the Boys and Girls Club in 2010 in Connecticut when LeBron James announced to the world that he was going to join the Miami Heat. Go back to 2010. So he was there for the announcement with Jim Gray. Well, he was he was in well, he was at the Boys and Girls Club of Greenwich when he announced when LeBron made his decision. Yes. Hmm. Incredible. So you don't think maybe sometimes anybody could be watching a big moment in sports and that could motivate them to want to be just like them. So I would not be shocked if he was following the Miami Heat and following Dwayne Wade from the time Miami added LeBron to their crew. And I'm sure he picked up some things from Dwayne Wade watching him there. I mean, it's the demeanor. 
It's the demeanor that really matches. Maybe it's not even the style of play, but it's the demeanor they have. It's that way they approach the game. And it's that leader they have, they want to get better. And it's that, but do you know what though? It's also that point of leadership that Mitchell puts around. Like when he walks on the court, more than Gobert or any other member of that jazz team, when he walks out there, everybody looks to him. Everybody looks at him. Everybody looks at him like, okay, you're here. We could do this as long as we got you. I think Donovan Mitchell this year is coming out to be a star. Finally, he's coming out to be a star. And that star development from Mitchell is what's put the Jazz in the position that they're in. Their game lives or dies with the elevation of Donovan Mitchell. That's the thing with the Utah Jazz. The great thing is, and this is one of the great things is with things are with, with Donovan Mitchell. He's only 24 years old. He's only been in the league for four years, and he's only going to get better. That's the incredible thing about it. And I'm very curious, could this be the year? A lot of people are talking about the Jazz. A lot of people think they could win the title, perhaps. Could they do it this year? We'll see, but they're one of the most prolific teams in the league. I say yes. Uh, uh, you know what? Yeah. I say yes. If I'm going to call it at this point in the season on March 17th, I think the Utah Jazz are going to win the NBA title. Well, I'll tell you this now. And I think this is what's going to decide eventually who the NBA champion is. The matchup with the Suns and Jazz, that's going to be whoever your champion is that comes out of that game. I'm calling it now. Maybe I'm calling it early or not, but I think the winner of that series, if if those two match up at some point, the winner of that is going to be the NBA champion for 2021. You know what's really going to shock the hell of a lot of people? When that is your Western Conference final and the Suns will have dispatched the Lakers and the Jazz will have dispatched the Clippers. This will be fun. All in the second round. They can do that. My, how how, how high they can fly. We'll see what happens. We're just beginning the second half of the season for the NBA. The trade deadline is around the corner. And we're going to see which teams are going to make that push to make it into the playoffs. But for now, I would like to thank everyone for listening. I'd like to thank my man, Crystal Large, our statistician, our researcher, Tony Mainville, both for their top tens. We will continue our show next week. We will dive into even deeper things, into the more news in the NFL. Baseball season is just a matter of weeks away, ladies and gentlemen. The regular season is coming before our very eyes. Rosters are finally starting to thin out. Gary Sanchez is still playing well. Will he be next week? Will Jay Bruce make the Yankees? We will give you our first look at Major League Baseball for the upcoming 2021 season. We'll have all that and more exciting things coming next week. But we are available, Downtown Sports, on 12 different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Pod Day, and Listen Notes. 12 different platforms, rants, episodes, digital market battle specials every Tuesday, Wednesday. Our downtown sports, and we are where sports come home. For my co host, the beast of the East, Jonathan Periente, I am in the mouth of the South, John Schiavone, saying, We're out. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.